0: Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the 9320 Friday Show podcast coming to you on a Saturday uh, this week. The no-nonsense podcast looking at all things City. Uh, we'll be looking back on the week after that rather interesting uh, and stressful win at Schalke. Looking forward, of course, to the small matter of a cup final tomorrow and anything else that takes our fancy because apparently there's another big game tomorrow as well. Uh, delighted to be joined today by the one and only
1: Lloyd. Hello, Lloyd. Hi, Howard. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Yourself? Yeah, good. Interesting day on City Twitter yesterday. I enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited. I'm excited for the final as well. I've yeah. been in London. I've not been able to go to that many. I've managed to make every second game, but um, yeah, I'm going tomorrow, so that'll be good.
0: It's weird. It feels like a summer cup final.
1: Just can't believe the weather. Oh, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, we've actually yeah. got after the uh, you know after the snow and a lot of a lot of bad weather. It's, it's improving. I mean, it was sixteen degrees yesterday, so I'll tell you
0: yeah, the same tomorrow. Apparently, so I've got absolutely slated
1: though for using Fahrenheit on Twitter. So, yeah, that's not right. That I, I'm with I'm with everyone slating you.
0: Hey, all right, well, all right. Well, it's going to be fifteen tomorrow. It doesn't sound as good, that does it? Sixty sounds better than fifteen. That's why. Yeah,
1: heard, it's so. American though. Don't like it. Yeah.
0: That's my uh, useless skill in life. It's I can, I can calculate <laughs> uh, Celsius or whatever. Centigrade to Fahrenheit. So I don't think that's ever going to get me very far in life though, so never mind. Shall we crack on? Uh, I've got, before we look back at the week, I've got an opening question. Uh, you know it's cup final cause, or you know it's a big match for City because, would you believe it, there's some negative stories in the press again. Uh, this time... Chelsea get a transfer ban uh, yesterday as well, I think. Obviously, you'd expect the stories to be there for about Chelsea, uh, but no, of course not. City being mentioned as being next up for a ban. Uh, Lloyd, if you first of all, have you paid much attention to this, because I certainly haven't, because I'm just, I think I've been worn down reading stuff like this over the last six months. Uh, and do you think this could be damaging to City?
1: No, like you, Howard, I haven't paid much attention to it. Um, I thought with the Benjamin Garrett uh, Velez transfer that we went to the court Arbitration Court of Sport in, I think it was, yeah, late last year, I thought that was going to be the end of it. So, a little bit perplexed by people saying that we're going to be kind of the next in line. So, yeah, it is a bit weird. Um, I mean, you know, you were saying before there's an article, is it in the Daily Mail?
0: Yeah, referencing Loulton, two African yeah. players, yeah, and it literally mentions City. I mean, Matt Lawton's just looked it up now in the Daily Mail. Uh, I'm ashamed to say it went on the site. <laughs> City take up, I mean, it's a long article. City take up about got the headline on the back of the lap, the mail is City next. City take up one paragraph of about three lines in this
1: whole article. Oh, that's embarrassing. And
0: isn't it's it? two Danish players who last March apparently said that they played for City or something before they turned 18. Did uh, Thomas Agypong. I can't, yeah. I've even forgotten already. Uh, but there's so little detail. It's, you know, it's, I guess it's SEO clickbait at this point, which is why I've paid very little attention to it. Because with the Der Spiegel, the first thing was like City getting banned from Europe. And it's like, no, you've got no evidence for this. You're just saying it, aren't you? And that's been my attitude to a lot of this coverage. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Should we be taking it more seriously? Because my attitude was, if city city hierarchy really suspected a ban was coming, they'd have been a bit more proactive
1: in January. Definitely. I mean, like you only have to look at Chelsea and what they've done in terms of the Pulisic transfer. They probably anticipated what was going to happen, and I think if you know if we were seriously concerned then i think we'd have probably done the same i advanced a transfer like what we did with the port last season so i don't think there are any kind of telltale signs that that it's going to happen so no i don't think so and i imagine the plans will be as normal which will be to buy a buy a left back and buy a centre mid in the summer i would imagine
0: yeah uh well if it does you know if it happens something happens we're not the third, first to be in a situation. No, Barcelona, uh, Milan teams. What will obviously happen, City? If you know, if this is a thing, a real thing, and there is a ban, I'm pretty sure you know two players. Is that Chelsea was a lot more widespread. Let's speculate and say there's a one, a one window ban for City. You know, to make a statement, City would simply appeal it, get through the summer, and. Losing a January transfer window is not really that devastating, is it? So, yeah, you know, it's whether they lose a summer one.
1: Exactly, and I think January even one. even if even if you do end up losing two, i.e., a summer and a um, a January, you always appeal it, so you'll know that when you appeal it, you'll have that window, and then the next two will be blocked. So, yeah, it's it's not ideal to have you know a summer one. Molded out, but if you know that it's coming, I think you'll just advance, advance the funds, advance the transfers, amortise the contracts as it is. Yeah, and you know I think you know I think you can get around it.
0: Yeah, I think we'll move on because at this the moment there's just not enough there to to take it seriously. I think uh, I think there's some fishing
1: in the media. No, there's not. The, actually, the only, the only thing is as um actually as a Chelsea, If I was a Chelsea fan, I'd actually be um. Weirdly, not encouraged, but I, I would. I, I think it's almost a little bit of a blessing in disguise then, because they have so many good young players um, in that team. I mean, they've got you know like I said, Mason Mount and Tamori out on loan at the moment, but they've got Hudson Adoye who looks like yeah. he's probably going to go to Bayern. But they've you know they've got Loftus Cheek, they've got Tammy Abraham who's at Aston Villa. They've got some really good players who are easily good enough to be backups in their team, if not starters. Then actually, in a weird way, it might end up being. Um, a bit of a blessing for them because they've never had the. I mean, you know, we get criticised, and I think we criticise City for not making that pathway more um, kind of elucidated and and there. But actually, I think Chelsea's is, is terrible, and they've not had anyone come through even close since John Terry. So in a weird way, it might end up being a good thing for them, in that it will force them to uh, to play some of those guys who are actually good enough, a bit like Foden, to play for. I would say probably most Premier League teams.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean the problem for the
0: big problem is obviously joining a transfer ban, they can still sell players, uh so you know, they have to hold on to what they've got in a way. And the problem is they brought in Sarri, a player, you know, a certain way. Would could can these young players play the way Sarri wants? Because that the absolute success of you know, Sarri's at uh, Chelsea depends on him getting his, his own players in. If they've got a transfer ban, I think it's very bad news for his uh managerial reign at the club. Yeah, they need, they need a but few with, players for him. Yeah, but with someone else in, with those young players, I agree, uh, not too bad. And then there's the, the big question always of Hazard leaving. Yeah, if certainly if they don't finish top four, I just cannot see him being there next season because he will not take another year in the, the Europa League. So, yeah. So, may, may lead to a change of mana, managers, but there's, yeah, there's plenty of players there to make them... Uh, to still keep them competitive towards the top of the table so. Right, we'll move on. Uh let's look back at now the dust has settled, Schalke 3-2 win. Uh very topsy-turvy game. Your thoughts, you uh now what a few days later. What's your thoughts on how City performed in that game and how it went?
1: Crazy game. I don't think I've um I think since the well, obviously the Liverpool game, but I was thinking since the Southampton game, I hadn't been that nervous within a game watching it. Uh, it was, it was, it was stressful. Really? It was really I, stressful. Bizarrely, I wasn't really. I was real because it's I, two legs. Game, well, because the reason was
0: in the game. I thought they're not very good. Now, it might be harsh on Schalke, but I could see like even if we you know we went two one down, I thought well, it's two legs, so it's not all about tonight. And I just, you know, which is not like me. I just thought, we'll hammer this team at home. Uh, it's not the end of the world, even though I was getting very frustrated. So, yeah, I just did see them pose, you know, just did see them posing as threats continuously
1: over two legs. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was always, even at two one at halftime, I was, I was calm in that. I always thought that we'd be able to come back from that. Um, I think it was more the way that the second half, the first. 20 minutes, of the second half kind of played out, and then also Mendy got sent off. Yeah. It was it, it was quite stressful. But I think on on the performance as a whole, I thought we were I didn't think we were great. I thought we were frustrating in the first half and we did that thing that you, Steve and Asan talked about in that that this season we've so many times we've gone ahead early and we have taken off foot off the gas. And I think it is it is a pattern because it's happened, yeah. it happened against Palace. It's happened against Newcastle. It's happened against Schalke. It's happened against Southampton. Against Leicester, you know there are probably other examples that I can't think of. Yeah, and it, it, you know, it clearly is a thing. And actually, more than anything, if you if you put the amount of effort into that next twenty minutes after the goal, you can kill the game. And it's very easy for us to say that, but you know, Schalke were really poor before. You know, they didn't have a, a shot on target apart from the two penalties. They didn't really. You know, massively threaten our goal. Edison didn't really have anything to do particularly. Yeah, and it's it's a weird one, but it you know Guardiola is kind of right in that we do have to be more streetwise. We do have to learn about these games in the sense that if you if you look at our goals conceded in the Prem, I think this year we're twenty one or twenty two. Um, or it might actually be twenty across what's now twenty six games, which is a great record. But in the Champions League, twenty seven games. Yeah. Twenty-seven games in the Champions League our our ratio is um, it's it's double. We can yeah. see twice as many goals. So I think Daniel Story said that, but it's um, it is concerning, and more than anything, it we we give away goals that we really really don't have to, and we kind of get ourselves in a bit of a pickle. And, and you know, it, it, it's fine because it's Schalke, and I am sure even if we'd have lost two one, we'd have still come back. But irrespective, if you know, as you guys said the other day, if you if you go, give away two penalties, go two goals down and someone gets sent off against a better team, it's curtains in the first leg. I mean, forget the second leg. Yeah. So it is, it is concerning. But then in a way, I actually think a bit like the Newcastle result and a bit like uh, the Crystal Palace game. Um, it's I think it is kind of good that it's happened at this stage because it, it will light a fire under the players. They will remember this. And more importantly, they came through and they ended up winning the game. And I think that... A bit like the Raheem goal at Bournemouth, which I think Sam has referenced. I think that can kind of be a, a galvanising thing in itself.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. I
1: mean, we had quite a debate about
0: Naus because I kept going on about it and cuteness in this competition and dealing with European referees. It's a completely different ballgame for me. You know, we dealing with English referees, whatever you think about them. And let's, you know, that Otamendi second yellow. Uh, it's just—it's a standard yellow card, it's not terrible, but should he not know better than that? Is this the sort of thing opposition players wouldn't do against us?
1: Or are we, we just cursed? Uh, I, I'm kind of with you, and I, I agree with a I do think it, it comes more at the English teams than others, than the other European teams, but I think we were saying just before, at the time I thought he was absolutely brain-dead from Otamendi. Having watched it back and reflected on it, It's not as bad as I thought first time, but it is. It's a bit like Pogba's tackle when he got sent off um, Mm. against PSG. It's not as bad, but it's just, it's late. He's kind of not really going for the ball. It's just a bit stupid. And it's on the halfway line. And yeah, there's players back, but, you know, it's just when you're on a yellow. And, you know, I think fair enough, it should never have been a yellow, but that's kind of not the point. You know, as a player, you're on a yellow, you kind of walk in the tightrope. In a Champions League game, you know how card happy the refs are. You need to be cleverer than that, as you said. Nause needs to needs to come to the fore there. So, you know, if, if he wasn't on a yellow, he's probably getting a yellow for it. So, yeah, I think he should he should definitely be smarter. Yeah, uh, something you put in the notes for
0: the uh, you sent us some notes for the review didn't get mentioned. Thank you, was you. Uh, is that red card is that? Ot- could that be a, a delph moment for Otamendi? A on Pep's naughty step now, or do you think it won't matter?
1: I think it could be. I do think it could be. That's why I put it in the notes. I mean, we're a bit we're a bit more fortunate at centre half in that we've got um, we've got options, and you know, obviously Stones is out at the moment, but um, Otamendi, has, you know, he's played more in the last three months, but generally, he's you know he's often on the bench. I do think that would have really pissed Pep off, Pep off, though, because we were at a point in the game where we still weren't playing great. We're trying to come back in, and it's still two one. We're kind of forcing the issue, and to, and to put yourself a man down in that situation, it's just given you know given the pressure they were applying in the second half, which really was nothing. It is, it is, it's stupid. It is, it is a bit brain dead, and it's. Um, I do think it would have, I would have pissed him off. Whether it's the same. Maybe, maybe potentially not. It does sound like from Sam's question in yesterday's press conference that maybe Delph actually has been injured. But I do think there's a lot in that that I don't think it's a coincidence that since he got sent off, he's completely disappeared off the face of the earth. So I do, I do think that would have pissed um, pissed Pep off, and, and he did, he did do that press conference about eighteen months ago talking about Otamendi diving in. So mm. I think, I think they're aware of it, and yeah, I do think it would have, um, it would have riled him. Yeah. As you say. The tackle in itself is absolutely nothing,
0: nothing to get hypercritical about. It's just the situation and the referee and how he'd already acted in that game. I mean, booking him for a, you know trying to pull your arm away, then he's going to book you for a foul. So yeah, uh, I hope I hope Delf is injured, which is the most stupid thing to say because I'd rather he had a knock than his uh, being completely you know frozen out of the first team. But as long as it's not too serious uh, an injury, obviously. I've just yeah, I've heard very little about him basically, which is strange. Yeah, uh, one more neg, you know, negative question, so to speak, before we look at that excellent uh, reply at the end and be a bit more positive. Did because it's someone someone sent us a diet. Yeah, you know, we didn't cover everything in the review because we just wanted to. We just got carried away debating some of the points in that game, and people have their own opinions anyway, so you don't have to. But there's one thing, someone I think. I saw a DM to our to our pod account uh asking this question. Uh apologies that I've not got your name. I may look it up now. Uh about yeah, Mike Cook. Uh one thing that was barely mentioned is how many players we had out of position at the start of the game. So you've got Laporte at left back, which of course is nothing new in recent times. Fernandinho at centre-half again. You know, this has worked in recent weeks. You've got Bernardo out on the right, still in on the left. None of this is new, but do you think that hampered the team? We're playing a team fourteenth in the league, but then again unbeaten in nine European home games, so you don't know what you you, know, you don't know what sort of side you're approaching You didn't need to overthink it. Did you think he did by squeezing in players and having Fernandinho coming back, or was it perfectly natural once stones was out injured and because in our preview, we struggled to pick? Which midfielders to pick? You know, because there's so many options there. Where do you fall on this? Did Pep try and squeeze players in, or were these just players in positions
1: that have worked towards in the last few weeks? I think big, big kudos to Mike. This is something I was talking to Jordan about actually. Um, I think Pep off, off in Champions League games, we've seen Pep often go for a slightly different tactic or lineup to what you expect. And I think this was kind of no different i i do like the fernandinho center back thing but i i only really like it against kind of the lesser teams at home in premier league games i don't i don't want to see it in champions league games yes schalke yeah. are probably the worst team in the competition but i i do think we need that back four that solidity and we need you know players in their positions and more than anything i think actually what you did see um on wednesday was it disrupted our build-up because you have Laporte is your best centre-back right and he's basically one of our most progressive passes I would say in the build-up and the guy that drives between the lines and gets those balls into Fernandinho as Asan said the other day Fernandinho sets the tempo so you've got him instead of in his normal position playing the balls quickly into the number 8s you you've got him back Um, obviously John Stones isn't playing and he's our other main main guy in the build-up and then Bernardo, who I, who I, who's who's done a great job over the last few weeks or months, and I can understand completely why, why Pep likes to play him out there. I do think it, it does limit us, and it means that actually so much of our play ends up going down the other flank. I do think it's easier to defend against because inevitably, Bernardo often will cut back in. You know, sometimes he does chop and go on the outside, and he did that great nutmeg. But generally he'll get it and, and chop back in. Um and I do prefer having both wings in in Sarney and Sterling. So yeah. it def it definitely does affect it. And, you know, I think intrinsically the team, you know, the the starting eleven are used to playing with each other. And when you move that's why I've never been a fan of, of moving Laporte out there, because fundamentally, he's probably at the moment, I would say he's probably our best player of the season. And yeah. moving him out of his position It not only fucks with his position, but it it ends up fucking with left back as well. And, you know, if you move Fernandinho, then it it messes with central midfield and it all kind of has a knock on effect. So I think Mike's got a really good point. Yeah. And you'd have started, you know, like me, Sane. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was saying, I think I said this to you, but I said it saying to Aysan, it's very easy to be that smug twat after the game saying, oh, you know, Sane should have started, look at that goal. None of us could have seen that goal coming. Yeah, um, I mean it was absolutely relevant, incredible. Yeah, He's, yeah. Okay, he scored one against Hoffenheim, but the I think this one was better, and it's in it's in a bigger moment. But I would have definitely started Son. I, I, I do want to see Bernardo move back inside. I want to see Raheem and and Leroy on the wings. I, I just think it gives us it just it just gives us a, an extra dimension, and also you know, it gives us that tapping goal that we score so often so much better because you get the other one arriving at the back post and yeah, I think you know, he's he, it's weird, he's kind of drifted off in, in recent weeks but it is it is testament to the squad and how, how many options Pep has that you know, we can just casually leave Leroy on the bench but I do think the Schalke factor was a factor and he was always going to be up for that so I would have, like I said, it's easy to be a, a smug twat with hindsight but yeah, I do think he should have started that game and Equally, I'd like to see him start um, tomorrow, because I think with that goal and that impact, there's no way he he, he shouldn't, because fun, I think fundamentally that, that Raheem stealing goal doesn't happen without the Sane goal, and I think that's the big goal, so I mm. think Leroy should definitely start. Yeah, and a big picture
0: if it is a big pitch, or <laughs> well, it just seems to be a big pitch. You know, but It always looks massive Wembley, doesn't it? Well, yeah, I'd say the psychological issue of the size of the stands uh, can have a it can trick you into how big the pitch is. You know, it was very close stands. You probably think it was a small pitch, but I assume it is quite a wide pitch, and obviously expansive play. But you know, we'll we'll discuss the final in a bit. Uh, you know, who might play? But it seems obvious for me to play. Yeah, to have a real wide threat at Wembley. But uh, right, that's I mean, City won in Schalke. Uh, they ended Schalke's nine match unbeaten run at home in Europe. They're very three away goals, very strong. So, that last 15, 20 minutes, can't remember the precise minute uh, that Sane scored, but losing a man, he could not, he couldn't couldn't have help, you couldn't noticed that there was a player missing off our team. Maybe you'd have thought there was one missing off theirs. Nothing changed at all. Uh, I saw someone make a valid point on Twitter that. The side of a great team is not just changing things around and you know, dominating the game, but digging out in games like this, moment, having players with, who can do moments of brilliance like Sane did, like Edison's pass, like Sterling's cool finish. Is that a huge point that we may have overlooked after in our review show and that a lot of people have overlooked, that it's not just about how well you play, it's about having players that
1: turn matches out of nothing? Definitely, I think that's that's what got us through a lot of last season. To be honest, individual moments of quality. I think De Bruyne brought that um, at various points. I think you know the Chelsea away game was a really good example. Um, In that, you know, we were playing well, we looked good, we were definitely the better team, but it was him in with that kind of rasping left foot shot from twenty five yards that kind of changed the game. And from there, you know, everything's completely different. I think this is a point that. Jack Pitbrook made actually this week which is often the Champions League if you look at it in recent years it's been won by individual quality often and it's been you know it's been Bale scoring that overhead kick last year yeah. it's often been Ronaldo you know in in late late in games getting Madrid you know that late goal or a penalty I remember the year before he scored that penalty right in the last minute but generally that, that, that is what the Champions League is often about because the stakes are so high but also the teams are so good and the quality is often so levelled that actually it's just that just tipping edge. And that tipping edge is often just a, a moment of quality from a from an elite player. And yeah, I think I think we saw that. And I think I think Sterling has tipped himself into that category now where um I think I tweeted about this, but there's no way he scores that goal eighteen, maybe even twelve months ago, to yeah. be honest. That Sterling often when he has time to think you know he's he he does miss those one-on-ones but it was it was a great finish really good finish and um you know he took it early as well and the guy yeah. i think the goalkeeper didn't expect that and that's why wow. it kind of nestled so well so i think massive kudos to him and yeah I, I do think in the champions league individual quality tells more than anything else and i think thankfully the boy is coming back slowly and i think the signs have been kind of slow incremental improvement but I do think getting him back and having him back for what will be the quarters hopefully if we get through I think that could be massive because like I said I do think in those in those really tight games where you, you know, the teams are so good it is those that, that pass or that cross that can just make the difference yeah uh, right do you want to talk about VAR at all or should I move on
0: to looking forward
1: it's your call oh, I think the only thing I'd say is it's just a shambles isn't it the thing is i'm a massive cricket fan and it's massively improved cricket and it's added a bit of a kind of spectacle to it but part of the part of the thing with that is that they have it in the ground so in the ground the most important thing always is the spectator in the ground and the fact that it kind of adds to that theatre and you see it and it brings a decision up you know it does the kind of ball rolling or when you go to rugby, it says TMO. You 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 know you don't you might not see the replays, but you know what's going on. I think with football at the moment, it's it's a shambles because the person that has the least awareness of what's going on is the fan in the ground, which I think fundamentally is is completely wrong. And also, you know, to have a system that where you have a broken screen and you know you've not perfected it, and you know you're 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 taking three minutes to to get the decision right and whilst getting the decision right is important and that's why we've brought VAR in it has to be quick and it has to be communicated properly to everyone so it is frustrating and yeah. um, I do feel as you know as someone that has a season ticket and going to matches I, 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 when it comes into the Premier League I'd be you know I was just trying to put myself in the position of the City fans there in Gelsenkirchen on Wednesday or you know other fans it, it'd, be, it'd be well annoying Kind of yeah. just stood there for two and a half minutes, and it and it does remove that emotional element of a goal when you that's, have that kind of weight which is something that I think is one of the best things about football. Really, I mean, imagine if you know the Aguero goal or any other goal goes in, and you're checking it for VAR. It's it is a bit weird. That's the worst problem for me. It's to it is, it? take the
0: emotion out of a goal. I mean, could we really celebrate that? I mean, there was a communication problem for not just for well, those in gelson <laughs> there's a communication problem for well, those watching the tv as well because and for the
1: ref that
0: for our first city's first goal no one knew what they were checking it was ages it was like what how far we don't know it's a communication issue here we don't know how far they go back in play we didn't know what they were checking no one was telling us you know for that first goal where there just seemed nothing to check he won a header yeah, it's got to be clear. It's supposed to be clear and obvious mistakes. That should have been wrapped up in 20 seconds. But the fact is that even after, you know, the seconds after the goal, I'm like, well, I can't really celebrate this goal because I know VAR exists and we don't, you know, it might be about to be used. So, I know there's a one of their players on the ground, so I know this is going to be an issue. And it was the same at Wembley, the cup final last year when Aguero scored, was the same. It was like I'm celebrating, but I'm just holding back a bit here until until he points to the centre spot and they kick off. You can't really celebrate. Var, We need VAR. I think there's just too many mistakes, but... Yeah, we do. You've we got do. to work out how to... I mean, there was always going to be bumps along the way. And I just feel in Schalke, if it's not working, then don't use it. He made that penalty decision by having it described to him by someone in a room. so So he still had the final decision, that referee but he didn't see it himself. That is utterly ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's... Well, I mean, and he, it's supposed I to be clear he, he gave a
1: corner straight up, didn't he? Yeah. He literally went straight for the... He put his arm out and was... Signaled corner. So, yeah. then to go... I think then to go back and then give the penalty and book off endy, It it is a bit weird. And I think, thankfully, UEFA have said they're now looking at the handball rule because I do think... VAR is going to shine a bit of a light on handball because there are going to be too many handball decisions given, yeah. and the way that it's 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 kind of set out at the moment in terms of deliberate or not deliberate. I mean, it's, the, the, it's, it's 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 a it's a shambles, and yeah. uh, actually, I think if you if you watch that Otamendi handball in real time, okay, you might call me biased because I'm a City fan, but I think it's probably not handball. Really, I mean, it's absolutely levered at him, and he's actually trying to get out of the way. He's not trying to put his arm in. He's literally trying to move his arm into himself. So, handball needs looking at. But thankfully, I think UEFA have said that they're going to they're going to change the rules. So we'll wait to see on that one.
0: Slow motion has to be eradicated from VAR. I mean, if you can't well, it see it, in real the perception time of everything, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, of course. Sane's free kick took apparently one point one seconds from his foot into the net. That's from 28 yards out. So how on earth can we say that Atomendi had plenty of time to move his arm away from a third of that distance? He's probably got about 0.6 of a second. And we're saying he should have calculated what was happening and moved his arm out of the way. And, of course, he is in the process of moving his arm out of the way as it hits it. So you're basically punishing him for the first 0.3 of a second that he didn't start making a movement earlier. It's... Yeah... And this unnatural position stuff—it's all a bit, I think there's too many penalties given for handball. Uh, you know, just you've got to have your arms somewhere. And this modern phenomenon of defenders defending with both their arms behind their back—it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's just stopping defenders from defending for me. Yeah, you end up looking like a chicken, don't you? I know, yeah, but they can't, you can't—you can't run. That's not a natural <laughs> position. So they're just so scared of it hitting the arm now. It needs to be much tougher criteria for giving handball, ball, I think. But we will see. Right, let's move on. Uh, we'll be quite quick about this because cup final obviously takes precedent. But we on Friday show, we tend to look at uh, another big game over the weekend. And there's obviously one that kind of affects City in a big way. Uh, United versus Liverpool is first on Sunday afternoon. Uh, your thoughts on how do you think it go? United favorites for this game now. Do you think do you feel a lot more confident? Obviously apparently we're not allowed to support United even though it's for in city's interest. But we not compared to the Anfield game. Do you think this is a completely different scenario we're looking at now?
1: I would say I I still think Liverpool are favorites.
0: Yeah.
1: I would say so, mm-hmm. but I think the way that United have reacted to the PSG result with the Chelsea performance and a really good performance, I think that's quite big. And also Solskjaer confirmed yesterday that Lingard and Martial are both available. I think that's massive for them. Because I do think one of the big reasons why they've been so good is, yeah, the creativity on the ball and how they've moved the ball. But I do think off the ball, actually, those two, particularly Lingard, playing him in a front three, Really, massively helped with the pressing and with their defensive game and playing. You know, three technical good players in Rashford, Martial, and Lingard up front has. You know, it's kind of been the the hallmark of Solskjaer's kind of sh- very short reign at United. So I, I think that's big, and I think the fact that, like I said, I think the fact that they've recovered from that from that big what would have been a you know a bit of a hammer blow, especially after losing Pogba late in the game it would have really felt I imagine that dressing room would have been very deflated after the game yeah. so I think to come back and beat Chelsea um, is, is big uh, I think I think United will be going into it pretty confident and as you said it's at Old Trafford so um, and more than anything it's, it's the game in hand isn't it so this will determine the amount of points that Liverpool gain on us whether it's 0, 1 or 3 so yeah it, I think I think it's tight, but like I said, I, I do think Liverpool are favourites, but um And they are with the bookers, I've just looked it up.
0: It surprised me in a way, but
1: Why what what what's your take? What do you think? Oof it's it's uh Do you fancy United? Yeah. I think I do. Just don't think there's a
0: lot in it. I mean this is a game it's one of those games where it could be home win draw away win. I think you know it's, It is one of those that could literally go in any way, and none of those ways would be a surprise. I think it, yeah, I, the key here. I think yeah, I think United will create chances. You know, if Martial is back, and he's the key one for me because I think he's in form and dangerous. And we'll, the key is how United's defense perform above everything else. You know, because on that run, you know, just look at. They're at home, so it's kind of different to Spurs away. But you look at, you know, I still think there's big, big problems over United's defence. But having said that, and I was very impressed with them in the second half of Chelsea, how they just, you know. Yeah, they were very good. Yeah. So if they play up, if they're prepared to play counter attacking football at home, I really do favour United. Just don't want them to be sucked in and think that they have to go gung ho. Because they're at home, in you know one of their biggest matches of the season, they take that second half approach. They take the Chelsea approach into this game. I do, I do, uh, fancy United to get a result here, definitely. Uh, what do you think about how Liverpool will approach it then? Are they going to be cautious, or are they looking to score goals? I mean, I, I, I draw, think Liverpool Liverpool have got to go for it. A draw's not a disaster for them after all. It would take them top on points, having got you know probably their hardest game of the rest of the season out of the way. But obviously a win makes
1: a huge statement. Makes a that's I think that's the thing. I think psychologically, a win is huge for Liverpool. If they go three points ahead and they beat United, you know, then they're eleven games basically out from the title. I, I still think I still think we can catch them and stuff and we're in it but I think if you're in that Liverpool dressing room they beat United I think they're literally ca- they're ca- it's, like, it's almost like ticking the days off to Christmas for them I think from yeah. there so I think they've got to absolutely go for it they've got to try and basically go out United but I think we saw midweek that Liverpool Despite the fact, you know, it was weird when you looked at the XG for that game particularly, it was really high, but it didn't feel like that watching the game. It didn't feel like Liverpool created that many good chances. yeah And their attack at the moment, it is kind of off. And, you know, Daniel Story wrote a really good piece about Sadio Mane, which I think is kind of right. When he's on, yeah they're on. But when he's not, he's kind of like the, the deciding factor almost in... And kind of represents the other front three because Salah, you know, always shows flashes of brilliance. But also he does have he does have he always has had moments where he'll get a good chance and just sky over the bar. And I do think he, he yeah. does normally take a few chances to bury one. So I if I'm Liverpool, I think they should absolutely go for United from minute one. But I, I do think they'll probably be a bit don't think they'll do that. I think they'll be a little bit more concerned and I, I do think the fact that Liverpool are now effectively fighting on two fronts, I do think that's affected that kind of rock and roll football that that Klopp's been famous of because if you remember last season, at this time last season, they were playing that
0: yeah.
1: kind of the first fifteen minutes, um, and they had those periods in games which they had against us twice where they're, the level of, and the kind of the speed of football they're playing is it's almost you can't you almost couldn't deal with it. How quick it was! And I think that's been. I don't think you can do that when you when you're competing across two competitions. So I think they've kind of lost that as well. I haven't seen the performance like that from Liverpool. We might see that tomorrow. Let's let's see. But I I haven't got that impression for weeks now. So yeah, I think like I said, I, I do think they're favourites, but I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be nervous going into tomorrow's game after midweek. And whilst nil nil probably is a good result for them, in that they, you know they've they haven't conceded an away goal. I do think against United at Old Trafford it's, uh, they're probably not going to come out from the off which I do think could favour United yeah uh,
0: yeah I mean, my Watford supporting friend that's there at home to them on Wednesday assures me that Watford would do us a favour on Wednesday but really I'm not convinced myself they're in good form but I really don't see that but yeah maybe that's just the pessimist in me uh, just finally then would, do you think has done enough to get the full-time job
1: United, um, he's been or, great. Or is it honeymoon period? We're still seeing. I, I, I think the thing that's impressed me the most, actually, has been the reaction to the loss.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I think well. it's. It, I'm not saying it's easy to keep winning, but his first three fixtures were an absolute gimme, um, and I do think, I honestly think, me and you could have taken that job and we'd have won the the, the next game after Mourinho. Yeah, the first. On, three, the atmosphere yeah. was so bad that any like a plastic water bottle could have taken the job and they'd have <laughs> I think they've I think they'd have probably won the next game. So you know but then that, from there he's generated a lot of momentum and actually I think the way that he's used Rashford and I think the benching of Lukaku, I think that takes a lot of balls. And I think a lot of managers wouldn't have done that. Yeah. So I think that deserves a lot of credit and the way that he's brought Lindelof kind of back into it, I think is is deserves credit but personally I wouldn't give him the job I, I'd still look to Pochettino if they can get him I think Pochettino if you, if you if you put him into United that is the one manager I think if he goes to United that I'll be seriously concerned because he'll outdo Pep in terms of um, how long he'll be there because you know I think we've got probably two more years of Pep at most after this mm. season and if he joins he'll definitely be there beyond that and I don't want that kind of dynasty manager to be at United so I I I think, but I do think they they'll be in a bit of a shit or get off the toilet situation. And if he carries on as he is, I think they'll they'll, they'll almost double think themselves into giving him the job. I think the pressure will be such, mm. and the kind of the Gary Nevels and the Paul uh, Phil Nevels, etc. will will be so, you know, big on Ollie that they'll end up giving it him, which I welcome because I think it's going to be completely different being the United manager from a, say, with a summer from the yeah. actual season as opposed to being what is essentially, you know, an interim at the moment and kind of warming, warming the seat for somebody else. So if I was a United fan, I would, I would still be 100% gunning for, for Pochettino, personally.
0: Do you think Pochettino would have an instant impact or would you expect another two-year transition for United for him to?
1: I think his, his, there'd be... His ways into the team, so to speak. He'd probably, I think, he'd have to do what he did at Spurs, which is get rid of a lot of the deadwood. When he when he went to Spurs, he ended up getting rid of like Yaya Bayors, Kabul, Dawson, those kind of players. I think there are a yeah. few of them at United. You have to get rid of Young. Obviously, Fellaini's gone now. I'd get rid of Herrera. You know, there are a few players like that. I think you need to get out. But I think there's 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 a basis, especially attacking players, there's a basis of a very good team. there. I mean, their options if you. You know, we talk about how good our options are, but you know they've got Mata, Lingard, Rashford, Lukaku, Martial. Yeah, There's some some good players in there, and I think under the under a really good manager like Pochettino, I think they could be. Unfortunately, they could be quite good. So I really hope that Schalke continues to win. They give him the job.
0: Right, that's more enough on United. Let's look forward to a cup final. Uh, first off. Uh, We'll both be there tomorrow. Are you in the cheap seats or the very good seats?
1: I'm in the, well, what are you in? I'm in the <laughs> first tier, The
0: second cheapest seat, so, is what we always go for, so, the front of the third tier somewhere. Is oh, you fourth? third tier? No, it is third tier, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to be first tier, so I paid a bit more. Um, ah, it's, it's how the other half lives. Oh, yeah, I know, me and Jordan. Um, <laughs> No, we're so we've got. Uh, I think we're one two seven or one three seven. But we're behind the goal, or kind of behind the goal in the first tier. So, right, yeah. I it's mean, expensive I though. I mean, it was seventy two quid for a ticket, which is
0: oh, that's all right. Yeah, that, mine's fifty six, so and that's right. So, yeah, you know. I'd rather pay that bit more and be on the first tier. Yeah, I don't know. I don't mind. You know, if you're not know, at the back of it, I don't. You know, where you won't be able to see anything. I quite like being high up to watch a match, just you know, for the angles
1: and stuff. You don't want to be too low. Yeah, Yeah, well, I I remember actually the the two Torre goals at Wembley, the United one, I was third tier, kind of at the back. Yeah. That was great. And also I was third tier for the um, Yaya Sunderland goal. And um, me and my mates always, I always get ribbed for this, but because of the kind of angle that you're at, you can't really tell the trajectory of the ball. And when Torre hit that that um, that shot against Sunderland, I screamed, no! Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it, don't, I think as don't cross there and it went top bins and obviously, but you you can't, you can't tell from that angle. Um, I actually watched that goal yesterday in work. Uh, wow, well, that was, I still don't understand how he got it in from there. But, no, um, I don't Now, Wembley it is, it, like you said, the pitch is massive but also this, the stand is actually quite far away from the, the pitch isn't it there's there's, there's kind of like a mm. 10 metre gap between the pitch and the stands yeah just thinking
0: I mean I'll open this up to anyone listening have City ever scored two goals of such a brilliant quality like that in a short space of time do you think
1: as Torre and Nasri I think that's a good shout that, that Nasri I goal think technically two... was amazing
0: I mean it's almost better Nasri. Yeah, I mean it's not really, I can't I can't look past Torre's but it's not far off Nazarius, is it? I mean, just especially
1: when you watch it from behind. Wow, uh, Nazarius' goal definitely doesn't get enough credit. That he hits that flush and it goes, and it kind of bends Roberto Carlos' into out off the post. I mean, that's technically an amazing goal. I used to do that. I could do it as a kid, but
0: only with a stationary ball. <laughs> it's like for him to do <laughs> with a fly that. Away. I know for for anyone to do that as it's. Fitting across the penalty area. Oh, it was astonishing, yeah. No, I can't. I mean, obviously, I can't remember anything anyway. But I can, you know in such quick succession, two yards of that quality, must be very, very rare, to be honest. Yeah. So if anyone listening to this, uh, do tweet the pod if you can think of us scoring two of that quality the only,
1: quickly. The only one I can think of is Aguero's debut game. That goal that he set yeah. up for silver and then his 25-yarder. They were both great goals yeah. quite close to each so, other but so I would good. say Torres and uh, yeah Swansea Torres and Nasri are definitely better.
0: Yeah. Cool. Uh, right. Did we take anything from the 6-0 in the league or is this totally clean slate this
1: game? Was that a freak in a way? I think it is clean slate to be honest. I think it's in a, in a weird way I always feel nervous when, you, when you've slapped a team quite yeah. recently then you play them again because I feel like it's going to be difficult to replicate that, but also the other team is going to be up for it because we've we've absolutely done them dirty, so they're they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be willing or ready to take another battering. So, yeah, it's weird. I I always do feel nervous when you when you've played someone and you play them again quite soon, but, um, you know, Chelsea got a win midweek, but it's with a completely different team. They're on a they're on a really bad run. I mean, the 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 noise around Sari, one of my best mates. Dan is a big Chelsea fan doesn't sound good I mean you've got you've I mean there have been stories in the press this week of senior players saying kind of leaking it anonymously to the press saying that they're unhappy with Sarri and they see it almost like a I think Rudiger actually came out and said it, it's a bit like being back at school with yeah. the with the amount of work and kind of tactical understanding they have to get through it's but 3pm three, 3 p. M. training sessions yeah, players How, how dare they do they? How dare they? Um but I have h I have heard that um I think this is partly because speaking to Dan, but David Luiz has been the um the main leak I've heard about these senior mm. players in uh adverted commerce. Um yeah. about being unhappy. So I mean things clearly aren't good there and I, I think very real prospect they lose to us and they lose to Spurs and he's out the job come yeah come next week so it's a bit, really big game for them and could you argue they'll be nervous having conceded six
0: will they be nervous on the pitch knowing that has happened
1: two weeks ago or will it fire them up I think they will be nervous the, the, the ruthlessness with which we hit those four goals in 20 minutes I mean I was surprised myself just watching it it was you were kind of like what with 4-0 <laughs> n- every shot every shot apart from Aguero's miss basically went in didn't it so yeah. I think what would be interesting is if they um, if they do what, what we've always done in the Carabao which is if they play Caballero if they play the second goalie because it looks like Kepa's injured anyway or has a hamstring problem and his bit 50-50 yeah. see whether they honour that because it's, I think Is it a drop down though?
0: I mean, is it really a drop down for them to do that? Obviously we're about to discuss City. We'll stick on Chelsea for now. Obviously City have a similar issue, which is a much bigger issue for us, but is it a drop down on his recent form, Kepa's? You know, he's let quite a few close to his body in, you know, got his hands to stuff that weren't mistakes, but were like, well come on. I know seventy million or whatever he cost is not on what he is now, it's at his age. You know he's still young for keeping. You're buying potential that will grow into one of the world's best,
1: but you surely expect more than that from him. Yeah, I think he's been, he's been okay, but that's kind of been it really. And for that money, it's it's not been great. And to be honest, really doff my hat to the um, doff my hat sorry to the analytics guys, Um, the guys that kind of run the XG model. So like Ted Knutson and that they said. Um, when they signed him they said I mean they're, I think they're, they're just we're in the infancy of kind of getting goalkeeper metrics but they said they couldn't believe what they were paying for Kepa because if you mm. actually looked at his stats and the way that he plays as a goalkeeper he doesn't have an outstanding quality he's not like Edison in that you know, you look at Edison's kind of on the ball prowess and he's unbelievable and you look yeah. at say De Gea's shot stopping is incredible Kepa didn't have or hasn't had an Kind of outstanding characteristic, and he's just kind of, kind of good at all of it, but actually not great at anything. I do think that has kind of borne out in that he does, he does, he does seem to have a bit of a Joe Hart syndrome, in that he lets a few of those goals down to his left hand side. I've seen quite a few from hmm. from Chelsea that season, this season, and yeah, maybe maybe it'll be better to have <laughs> better to have caballero, but caballero has got quite a good record in the Carabao, so yeah,
0: if it goes to penalties, then. I know I'd rather oh see in the opposition net it's not Caballero. So. Uh, do you think, before we look at City, will Sami be stubborn again? Or is he going to adapt for this game? Or just put the same team out as... <laughs> I think he's going to today? be stubborn. I think
1: that's probably, wrongly, in my opinion, what we'll end up being his downfall. I think he'll, he'll yeah. play Jorginho in that position, he'll play Kante to the side. I imagine it'll be a front of Hazard, Higuain and yeah, one of Willian or Pedro, will be exactly the same as it normally is. And he'll continue to play Alonso, which is what I know, from speaking to Dan all the time, is something that Chelsea fans are really pissed off about because his form's yeah. been terrible. But yeah, I imagine he'll go for the same team. I'd be I'd be absolutely stunned if he played someone like Hudson-Odoi or Loftus-Cheek. I imagine it'll be exactly the same. Okay, it's the
0: elephant in the room who, who should... And will
1: be picked in next for City. Has to be Murich, yeah, yeah. I think it's 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 completely fair enough. He's he got us here, you know. He was big in the competition so far. I think I, I really like the the kind of policy that we've had over the last few years. I think Pellegrini was the first to kind of properly go for it. So I, I remember when when Mancini changed Pantelimon for Hart. I didn't didn't really feel right to me I, I do I do think I do like the the goalkeeper kind of keep him in if he's got you there so I, yeah I do think it should be Murich. Mil- and I think
0: even I think Muric Mil- Mil- has shown enough yeah even with the trophy on the line yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah. I, I, I still I still I'd, I'd be I'd be I'd be really disappointed for him if, if if we go for Edison tomorrow and actually I think he probably should have been playing the FA Cup games as well I know that might be controversial but I, hmm. I you you have a second cheese second choice keeper for a reason and you know we bought him back we bought him back from, from loan to for a reason I do think he should have been playing those games so I'd definitely start him tomorrow.
0: I mean I can't argue against you but you know deep down maybe I'll want Edison start just because of you know hunting to it again but that, there's a the factor that I can't know about is you know if he said to him it depends what Pepper said to him in a way for me you know at the start of this Cup one if he said you're my keeper for me, he has to honour that. If he hasn't said anything, then it becomes a bit more of a grey area. But it is kind of traditional, yeah, that the uh, the keeper keeps that role. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I won't attempt to argue against you. We shall see. The way he talked in the press conference. Sounds like he might play Edison, doesn't he? Yeah, it? I'm leaning towards Edison. See, I, or, think, that, he's I having think that's the right. same. He's having the same doubts. Yeah, he's obviously got that dilemma between a Cup final and what well, you know a matter of honour in a way if he had if it's, if he's told him he's the cupkeeper, he should stick to that. I don't, I don't think people would go to town with him if he picked Gorich and he made a crucial error. I mean the first time this happened, I don't know who was the first There was absolute outroar for a week was it Caballero the first time or I know it's caused a lot of outrage yeah, in the past with City fans, but I don't feel that outrage anymore. I think we understand. And every time, every time a backup keeper has been in the final, they've done brilliantly. So that doesn't, you know, tell us that Mirovic automatically will. But it's never let us down in the past. So
1: yeah, and I think also, like, it's a you know, it's a it's a it's a weird saying. You know, footballs often say, "Oh, you know." 11 cup finals or you know we're treating every game like a cup final but for Murich, this will be his biggest game of the season he will be so revved up for it Yeah. so I think you know a bit like Bravo was the season before and Caballero has been I, I, I think you've got I think you've got to give it to them I think it's unfair not to
0: Will Chelsea? do you think target him as a weakness you know passing from the back if he does play could you see them pressing higher
1: yeah probably and I think they'd they'd be stupid not to because we did see against Newport that there are you know, he's not as good he's not as good as Edison, but saying he's not as good as Edison, I mean, Edison is, you know, yeah. an absolute joke. I mean he's <laughs> he, he he has to play centre mid before he leaves. So he's he's that good on the ball. <laughs> um but um yeah, they should they should definitely press him because I mean Newport almost scored from that kind of poor pass that he that he gave in between I think it was it Sandler. Um I can't remember who who it was. But yeah, no, they, they should definitely go for him because uh Edison, yeah. yeah. sorry, Burton, yeah. Um there's definitely an opportunity, so no, they'd they'd be a not start too.
0: If he ever plays Edison in midfield, I hope
1: he keeps his gloves on. Just That'd just be great, the wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. Don't don't keep your it... Well, I guess he'll have to change his shirt, but keep your gloves on. <laughs> Just keep, yeah, comfort zone. Uh, the rest of the side then, City's strongest, or again, other people, the players that have played in the cup run that deserve a starting place. The obvious one is Foden. Some may say he is in the strongest side,
1: uh, but how would you pick the rest of the side? I think Foden should start. Yeah. partly okay. Partly because he's he's earned it but partly because I think it's it's become clear now that he is he's almost of the, I think he's he's of the same level as the other players so I actually think whereas six twelve months ago I thought it was always a bit of a risk starting him I think now the way he's kind of gradually you know with the way that cup games come he kind of drops a performance every three weeks every month he just he just does not look out of place at all and he fits in seamlessly mm. and more than that he contributes you know he when he when he's when he when he's in games he's he's not passive he's not just make, making the easy pass he's he's being decisive I think that's something you know we really saw against against Newport those two runs and the way that he kind of finished both those goals was great so i i, I think foden should start and i i think a bit like with murich it'll be it'd be a huge thing for him because actually if you look at i would actually urge everybody to go and look at foden 's minutes but also games this season and if you look at I mean in the Premier League he's played like 94 minutes and you know like, but also had about 12 appearances so it's off and off the bench because he's not started a game yet yeah. I think he'll be massively revved up for this it'll definitely be the biggest game of his of his City career so far so yeah I would definitely start him I think he deserves it other than that though I would be going I'd be going full strength I wouldn't start Garcia I don't think he's had the same impact as Foden on the uh yeah. on the Carabao Cup team Um so yeah other, other than Foden and Murich, I'd like to see you know the uh, the main boys yeah. what about you would well, you go Foden yes and then
0: you know the strongest side around that yeah I want I want Sane Sterling and Aguero uh, yeah and I think it's Same. David Silver that drops again so but, you know will he do it will he give him the cup final uh, God knows uh, so yeah Bernardo Central with KDB and Agreed. proper I don't know Zinchenko at left back I don't know what do you think the
1: full back situation he's not going I, to put Laporte out left again uh, I, I hate Laporte playing at left back oh, he's just our best centre back Um, you I, I prob- mirror the league game probably I mean it worked didn't it but Pep's one of those where I'm not saying he overthinks, but he'll have a different strategy for every game, and he'll hmm. he'll have he'll probably have looked at the Chelsea game and looked at things we didn't do well and things we could have done better, and he might you know he might come up with a different solution. That's just that's just the the manager that he is. But I I, I would I would play Zinchenko personally. I think I think that performance against Chelsea actually was it wasn't flawless, but it was close to flaws. He was he was he was he was really good, yeah. really really good, and especially given. Before the game, I think most people, you know, we were, I was flapping at, th- at three the hour before the game, you know, yeah. you know, up against up against Hazard against Higuain he was great. So yeah, I would I would probably go Zinchenko and often early in the season I thought Danilo was probably the better option, but the the problem the problem with Danilo at left back is he's not very left footed and you just yeah. it does kind of it messes with the passing and it messes with the team and he often has to come back inside and he can't really play it down the line whereas you know if there's one thing Zinchenko's good for it's, it's his ability on the ball and his passing and whilst he might not be the best defender and could get caught I think he really does aid our kind of progression and build up
0: uh, right
1: company came on
0: against Schalke is there a role for him in this side
1: then I think he should start yeah what do you think yeah well what's the options well, I think yeah. Otamendi. I think has got to go to the bench after yeah. after getting sent off. Yeah, I, I agree. Do you think he will? Yeah, I think he will. I think, think he will.
0: Him.
1: No, I, th- I think he will as well. I, th- I think yeah. as long as companies fit in terms of he's managed, you know, because he's been out for what six, yeah. seven weeks. Yeah. As long as he's all right after playing, what was it, kind of twenty-five minutes, maybe? Yeah.
0: Then yeah, I think he'll definitely start. Yeah, that's it. I mean, depends. Has he got 90 in him? Would he play him anyway (laughs) if he had to take him off at 70? He probably doesn't want to waste a substitute like that. So, yeah, fitness could be the key reason here. (laughs) I think he probably has. I don't know. Uh, Right. Importance of winning a trophy in February, then. Pretty much my last question. Uh, How big is this? And as the past showed, it can spur the team on. And will Pep just be relieved that we've only got three fronts to fight on after this as well? I think he'll
1: be massively relieved, yeah. Um and Which is the, still a lot, but it's not four, so. Yeah, the quadruple chat will go as well. Um what if yeah, we it lose won't. it, will yeah. yeah. It will if we lose it. definitely won't if we win. Um I think it is big. I think, you know, we've seen I think we've seen just watching City that this can really kind of spur you on and To win a trophy, kind of in February, it kind of it makes a makes a statement, but it also gies the players up, and they get that they get that kind of taste that they you know they want again in May or you know whenever we end up playing all the other finals or end of the league. So yeah, I think it's big, and I think it's, it's 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 not a coincidence that often when we've we've won this, we've gone on to win the prem afterwards. So yeah, I I I'm well up for it, and as I think we've both said on podcasts before. I absolutely love it as a fan I think these you know these kind of Wembley Cup Finals the Carabao Cup Finals have given me some of my best kind of memories yeah. as a City fan yeah. talking about that Yaya game before but also the Arsenal game last year was absolutely great I mean you know from, from the point Aguero scored that goal it never never looked like being any other result so yeah I'm, I'm well up for it
0: okay. All right, finally then a prediction
1: score prediction Score prediction. Oh, I think we'll win. Um, I think it could be tighter though. I think it'll be two-one. I think Chelsea will be. I think Chelsea will be up for it. But I I still expect us to win. I think. I I think De Bruyne is going to. Just got a feeling he's going to be. He's going to be up for it, and also he'll be slightly sharper after the amount of games he's accumulated.
0: Mm. Well, Bernardo Silva will score in this final. So. Heard it here first. Uh, do you think? I don't disagree much. I think it'll be two one late on, so I'm gonna go for three one. Maybe i will get a late one, just like Sunderland and uh, to wrap it up. So I'll take that.
1: Yeah.
0: Right, I think that's everything. Uh Lloyd, thank you very much for coming Cheers, on. Cheers Howard. Uh thanks for listening, everyone. Uh to Lloyd and everyone else going down to this cup final tomorrow, today, whenever you listen yesterday, whenever you listen to this. Have a great day, everyone. Uh and everyone watching. Let's hope for our first trophy of the season. Uh, so until next time, we'll have a review next week and loads more shows. Till then, goodbye and up the blues.